I was really frustrated, and I and one day we just said, okay, not working. Why don't you stay and be the face? And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I want to. I want to be everything. Welcome to No Limits. I'm Rebecca Jarvis. Each week, we're talking to women playing at the top of their game. So, how are they doing it? Whether you're looking for answers or you just want to hear a good story, you're in the right place. With me today is a woman whose name is synonymous with beauty. The makeup artist and Chicago native officially launched her beauty company in 1991 when she started selling 10 brown-based lipsticks out of her house and mailing them or even hand-delivering them. And might I remind you, these were not the days of the internet, so probably not as easy to do as it would be today. Four years later, her brand had become so popular that Estee Lauder acquired it. I want to get into the boat you bought after that acquisition. (laughs) And now all these years later, you've seen her everywhere on TV. She was the original how-to in magazines as editor-in-chief of Yahoo Beauty. Plus, she is a New York Times bestselling author with her ninth book, Beauty from the Inside Out, due out this spring. Bobby Brown, welcome to No Limits. Thank you. So happy to see you again. It's been a while. I know. It's been yeah. a while, and I'm thrilled to see you, and I'm really excited to get into more details of your story, because usually when we talk, it's about beauty tips, right. and we might get to some mm-hmm. of those, but there's so much to how right. you built this beauty business mm-hmm. that I also want to get to. Sure. So you grew up in Chicago. I did. In college, you went to a handful of different universities. I did. I I went to, the first college I went to is where my boyfriend was going. So I went there for six months. And then I went where all my friends. Did you break up? No. Then we all, all the friends, the whole gang of Chicago suburban kids went to University of Arizona for a year. We all went there. Because you thought it would be nice to be somewhere warm after growing up in Chicago? I know. It really was the only school I can get into. Okay, So <laughs> no, it was, it was easy to get into back then. So we all went there, and it was a lot of fun. And at the end of the year, I came home, and I told my mom I wanted to drop out. Why? Because it was boring. You know, there was no cell phones back then, no Instagram. And you would sit in these big classes with thousands of students, and it, I wasn't interested. Hmm. And my mom said, you can't drop out. And I said... I don't know what I want to do. And she said, if you could do anything in the world, and if it's your birthday, what would you want to do? I could have said, go to, go to Paris, go buy shoes. I said, I want to go to Marshall Fields and play with makeup. She said, why don't you be a makeup artist? When you were a little kid, were you interested Never. in makeup? I mean, I always used to play with her makeup, yes, and I used to use it to make myself look really tan. I loved it, but no, I was not a big makeup person. I'm not even sure I knew that I had the passion And you ended up going then to To Emerson. Emerson Because I said, I didn't want to go to beauty school. And she said, I'm sure there's a college somewhere. And there was no Google back then, so I couldn't Google it. But a friend of my dad said, oh, there's a small school in Boston called Emerson College. And I flew up, and I talked to them, and they let me do an interdisciplinary major because they did not have a major in makeup. Um, (laughs) Does any school? Not yet. I'm on the board of Emerson now, so hopefully. They have a comedy degree now. Hopefully one day they'll have a makeup degree. So they basically let me design my own major, and I didn't know what interdisciplinary meant. I don't think I still know, but I think now <laughs> they call it entrepreneurship. When you were a kid, were you doing the lemonade sales and things like that? Um, I had a store with my friends in the basement called LBJ, Lynn, Bobby, Janice. I don't think we had one sale besides my mother. It was in the basement. Were you there selling? There was no traffic, <laughs> like what we were thinking. But we made jewelry, things we made ourselves. I was always very creative, and I don't even remember who paid for it, what happened, but yes. The um, LBJ yes, store. LBJ, Lynn, Bobby, Janice, yes. I love and, this. Uh, and then I just... 
I've never known what I what should be done or what I'm doing. I just make things up. Honestly, you, I make wait a things up. You've never known. I just in this do, career now. I know. okay, but I still I like not knowing what I don't know because then I figure it out and I do it a different way than it's been done. And that's what I've always always done. And that's what I'm doing now. And that's what drives me. Because you left your namesake brand I did. end of last year. I did. It wasn't easy, but I did. I left in October, and I had uh, the company celebrated its 25th anniversary last last December. Um, and but the truth be told, it's 27 years old because it started two years before, you know, we actually were in a store. And you know, it wasn't an easy thing. Let me tell you. You know, there was definitely emotions that go with it. But since I'm such an upbeat, happy person, I just said, okay, now what? So what, now what? And I activated a bunch of things, and now I'm kind of wondering why. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. I want to get into that stuff in a second. But just just to go back to that moment. So you're making this decision. This is the company that you built from the ground up. What drove the final decision? How did you think that through? Trust me, it wasn't an overnight decision, and it was, you know, mostly an incredible experience. The last couple years were really rough. I mean, so many things are different, and retail's different, and, you know, the new CEO came in, and just things are different. And the way life was at the time, I always would use, I would always thought that I was still an entrepreneur with my own company, even though I didn't own the company. I always, that's how my mind worked, and that's how I wanted it to be, and that's not what it, that's not what it ended up to be. A lot, uh, lot, of, lot of people in a room making decisions. Yeah. Yeah. We've all been in a place yes. like that. Right. Can I ask how you deliver? And too many men. Really? I love working with women. That's actually a really interesting aspect of the beauty industry in mm-hmm. general. Nowadays, you're starting to see more women get involved. Right. But... When you started... Oh, my God. It was all men. All men. All men. Yeah, all men. Driving these decisions, which right. primarily impact mm-hmm. women and right. female consumers are the ones who are supposed to be responding to it. Right. But, you know, honestly, I don't go backwards and there's no heart, bad feelings. It's I go, for, I go frontwards. You know, I left because I didn't like my day-to-day. And I'm sure if they were here, they probably didn't like my day-to-day either. <laughs> how, so, can I, can I yeah. ask you how the conversation went down, the actual I'm leaving conversation? It was not a one-day conversation. It was a long-time conversation. And, you know, I was really frustrated. And, I, and one day we just said, okay, not working. Why don't you stay and be the face? And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I, wanted, I want to be everything. You know, I'm, I'm the person that sits on the floor with my team and talks creative things. I'm the one that finds ideas and sends pictures, and that's what I want to do. I was thinking when you were talking about the original Bobby Brown, the makeup label, mm-hmm. because— Which I still think is the best products on the market. Like, I'm sorry, I made the foundation. I made the <laughs> moisturizers. You know, they're designed so you look natural. So I'm still very passionate about those products. These A legacy brand like that, though, in this world where mm-hmm. things are evolving and changing, right. yeah. I would imagine it's really tough to go into that brand and shake things up. Um, yes, that is probably one of the reasons why I'm not there anymore, because I really wanted to do things differently. And, you know, it, a big company, it's a billion-dollar brand. You know, not easy. And who am I to tell, you know, all the guys to do something different? Who are you? You're Bobby freaking Brown. Right. Who am I? So, (laughs) you know, whatever. So if I can't get someone to listen to me, I'll 
do it myself somewhere else. That raises another question to me about the world of Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think a lot about this because we've had a number of women who have founded uh, companies in these visual industries right. and social media mm-hmm. really changes so yeah. much of how all of this is even perceived and mm-hmm. why people want it in the first right. place. Well, first of all, I'm a visual person. A lot of people are. And to be able to see interesting things, whether it's, you know, a bad makeover that, you know, is all contoured, we've all sat and watched those things. Or whether it's something, you know, like a beautiful bowl of food, we've all, you know, wanted to eat that thing. So I think that visually is number one. And then you get to really hear what people are saying about it. So even when I was at the brand, I loved reading people's comments because I know if they liked the formula, if they had trouble with the packaging, that's how I found out. Now you get instantaneous feedback. It is. Like it's that. amazing. You, you think it's amazing? I do. I think it's. I think it's amazing. And I. I think you have to. You know, be careful because you have to separate. You know, when you're reading another company's things, what is fact from fiction? Like what is truth and what is not? When you started the original Bobby Brown makeup company. Mm-hmm. You were selling this out of your home. Right. You started with 10 shades. Right. I was a freelance makeup artist working for all the magazines, including Vogue and Glamour and Mademoiselle, if you're old enough to remember that magazine. So you're doing makeup, and it's a time in the 80s. There was right. no such thing as the lazy Sunday look. No. And and for someone that always liked the natural look, I couldn't go into a department store and buy makeup that I could just put on. I had to fix everything. And even when I worked with, um, you know, when work was slow, I worked in a salon, Frederick Fakai's salon, and I would teach women how to do their makeup. I would have to really work hard to explain how they use it. You didn't just apply it. You had to put it on. You had to fix it. Mm-hmm. And my philosophy was that didn't make any sense. So when I designed my own products, I didn't want a makeup artist to teach you how to do it. I wanted, you know, the woman, I always called her Mrs. Schwartz, to be able to <laughs> open up her drawer, put on her eyeshadow, and it looked good. Because I don't expect everyone to be a makeup artist. And that was your whole thing, beauty right. from the inside out, right. helping people understand the application right. and choosing the right colors and all of that. And, and do your do w- with your style. It's I'm, Just because I don't like to wear a lot of makeup, if you wear a lot of makeup and like a stronger look, you could still do it naturally. Mm-hmm. So you do this. You got into Bergdorf. Right. You mm-hmm. had one table at Bergdorf. I did. How did you get into Bergdorf in the first place? Um, well, when I was... Having the line, um, selling it out of my house, my husband and I found these two people, and we became partners, the four of us. And they invited me to a party in the city, and we went to someone's house, and I said, nice to meet you. What do you do? She said, I'm the cosmetics buyer at Bergdorf. I said, oh, I have. let me tell you about what I'm doing. And that's how I got into Bergdorf. It was that simple. Yeah, it, well, it, was, it wasn't that simple because <laughs> right. she actually, you know, a week later called me back. She goes, I'm really sorry. We can't take it. And I was like, what do you mean you can't take it? My stomach dropped. I was doing a, a, a catalog for Saks Fifth Avenue, and I was telling all the art directors what I was working on. And they're like, oh, you should pitch us. But when Bergdorf called me back and said, we're really sorry. We can't take it now. We have too many things. I said, no problem. Saks wants it. She said, I'll call you back. And they took it. So Competition. Yes. I learned that, I think, from my Papa Sam who sold cars. What are some of the other sales tips you learned from Um, him? Well, honestly, he cared about every person. And anyone that walked in the door, he went over and shook his, you know, his hand and looked him in the eye and said, hey, Doc, how are you? You know, he was just very authentic and genuine. He called everyone Doc. And I don't know if it's a if it's a urban myth or a true story. But one day there was a man came in with a big giant bag and he looked like he had just gotten off the street and no one would go up to him. So Papa Sam went up and said, hey, Doc, how are you doing? And the guy said, 
okay, I want to buy four cars or whatever it is. And he had cash. In so, the bag. In the bag. So whether that's true or not, in other words, you never know. Treat everybody well. The same. Exactly. You never know. Right. Okay, so you essentially get into Bergdorf. Mm-hmm. Four years later, Estee Lauder <clears throat> is paying you millions of dollars to own your company. Right. Yeah, it, it's amazing it was only four years. And by the way, what is also amazing is I was living outside of the city in New Jersey. I had had my first kid when I launched the brand, my second son two years later, and I was commuting still a freelance makeup artist and working and traveling and... You were hustling. I, I didn't realize I was working hard. I, I was not... I Because you were loving it? Yeah, it's what I did. I mean, it's just I'd get up in the morning and it's what I did. And, you know, it wasn't hustling and I just... It was my work. It was mm-hmm. my passion. And my passion was also being a mom and a wife and having, uh, you know, girlfriends. So... I tried really hard to do my to do the best, and I'm sure there were things I could have done better. But I got to enjoy so many amazing things. When you sold the company, you bought this boat. Yes, we <laughs> we we bought this boat. Um, and thank you. Well, yes, it was a very it was T Y L L. It was called. It was thank you, Leonard Lauder, and he came out to see it, and I think he was a little disappointed by the size of it. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted something bigger. Yeah. So now, as you think about everything, what What's the hardest lesson you've had to learn along the way? Well, there's so many. I mean, there's so many. Um, for me, definitely trusting people. Like, trusting people that you that you think everyone has your best interest. And I, I was always that naive person. And that's the one thing I learned. Is that because you grew up in Chicago in probably, the Midwest? Sometimes probably. I think I grew up in the Midwest yeah. and my parents taught me to see the best in people. Right. And Where did you grow up? What part I of the I grew city? up in Minneapolis and oh, then Minneapolis. I went to Chicago. Yeah. My uh-huh. parents are in yeah. Chicago now. Right. Um, but, yeah, that's, you know, that's a Midwest That's thing. actually it a is. good thing. Don't you know? In the end? A, it is a good thing. It's a good thing. But, you know, I'm, um, I have to learn sometimes to, you know, not say everything that's on my mind. Right. How old were you when you realized that the first time? 59, which is now. <laughs> yeah. Um, really? Yeah. No, I mean, come on. In in high school, your friends, you know, you, yeah. you whisper a secret and all of a sudden it's all over. I'm like, who told you that? To me, that's a big question when you're starting a business, right. though, because mm-hmm. if you're starting a business, you have to put some level of trust right. in the interactions you're mm-hmm. having, because unless you start really sharing right. what you want to be doing or sharing the product itself, mm-hmm. you're not going to get it out there. Right. Well, exactly. So, you know, there's different ways to get around everything, but I think that, you know, the great thing about experience is you learn. You're yeah. now developing something, or at least you've hinted I'm, at I'm that wor- you're well, I'm thinking wor- about I'm something new. A, I'm working on a lot of projects. So, you know, the first thing is the book, which I'm most excited about. It's called Beauty from the Inside Out. And it's really my belief that what you put into your body is far more important than even what you put on your face. So the, there are makeup tips, and I still love makeup. I always will. But it's a lot about vitamins and supplements and health food and beauty food and all, I'm not an expert, but all these great experts that I've met in my life that have helped me figure out what works for me are all in the book. Let's talk about confidence. Well, it's really funny to me that, you know, as someone who's five foot tall and was, you know, left Chicago um, to move to New York, I ended up with supermodels every day. So every day I go to work and people had one name, you know, Cindy, Christy, Naomi, whatever. I had a choice either to feel insecure about myself or to just let it go and not compare myself. So I chose the easier thing, which was not to compare myself. 
But every single woman I meet, we talk about what's bothering them. And when I sat down and we started talking about, yes. you know, our pictures and what we don't like, and I always ask, what do you not like about yourself? And the things that people point out are just the craziest things. I never notice it. And the things I point out on myself to my team, I'm like, oh, my God, look at my stomach. Look at how, look at my neck. They're like, are you kidding me? We didn't even notice it. Honestly, I'm wor- still working on it. I'm a work in, in progress. We all are. We all are. And you know what? And it's okay. So anyone that's listening, there is not a woman alive that looks in the mirror and says, I got this. We all have to work on it. And, you know, hopefully the tips that you'll learn along the way, and I try to include them, you know, on everything I do, how you could feel better and how you could look better. Because do you know me sitting here? I was just a week, you know, away on vacation and my clothes are a little tight. Do you notice that? <laughs> I did no. not notice that in the slightest. But, right, but I noticed that. And guess what? No one else notices that. So that's the point of this. Learn how to let go of that craziness. And the book walks you through that from and the inside out, too. The, yes, it, the book will walk you through that and, will, and give you tips how you can actually feel better. How about the worst advice? I'm sure you've gotten some terrible advice. What's the worst advice you've gotten along the way? Oh, my God. Um, I would say the worst advice is someone once took me shopping and said I should dress differently. And she took me years ago, and we went and bought leather pants and all sorts of things that I spent a decent amount of money on. And I came home, and besides, my husband laughed at me and said, are you kidding me? Um, it was not. I was never comfortable wearing the clothes, and so I learned. But all those things that you learn... It's up to you what you do with it. Like right. I learned that's – I don't have to be like everybody else. I have to be comfortable in my clothes or I'm not going to have a good time. Yeah. You know, and I certainly – when you go to the Met Gala and everybody when, – as, as you right. do when well, you go to the Met Gala. Right. Well, I've been there I've been there a couple times and it's quite <laughs> something. It's mind-blowing. And if I was concerned so much with what I was wearing in my hair and makeup, I wouldn't enjoy myself. Yeah. So the last time I went, I wore a great navy tuxedo. Um, I had a great blowout. I did my own makeup. I wore ridiculously high platform shoes, but I had sneakers in my bag that I changed at you know by the end of the night. And it was the Where's Waldo of cool people. That is such. And a I decided good... to have a good time. Yeah, that yeah. I, I think that's great advice. Yeah. I see a lot of people who are achieving what on the surface looks like their dreams right. and then you talk to them and they're not actually enjoying right. themselves because it's always about what's next right. and we hear this over and over right. and over again but it's so hard to actually live it it is and i think part of it you know for me is i have to say it's my husband you know I, my chicago upbringing but i married a man who you know wasn't impressed by anyone i met wasn't impressed by places we can go and would rather hang with the kids and me at home, then go to one of these things. And honestly, the hardest part of my, the next phase of my life, since the kids aren't home anymore, you know, is all right, now what are we going to do? <laughs> well, I could just hang home, but he likes to go do things. He sounds like a phenomenal partner. He is. And right. an important and consistent part of he, your story. He is all that. He's also, you know, an attorney and a brilliant businessman and very accomplished. And where I make all my decisions based on emotion, he will say, okay, wait, stop. And we never, ever, ever talk about anything at night. We wait until the morning. And things always look different in the morning. How did you decide on him? Um, It was totally love at first sight. I had dated someone for 12 years before I met him. From 18 to 30, I had the same boyfriend. And a friend of mine brought him to dinner, and I met him. I was broken up for like three months, I think, in between. And 
I just took one look at him and I came home that night to go to bed and I didn't go to bed. And I woke up in the morning. I'm like, oh my God. I think you were I, so excited. I about just him. think I just met the man I was going to marry. I didn't know anything about him. I didn't know where he went to college. I didn't know his last name. I didn't even realize he had the most beautiful blue eyes in the whole universe. Like, it was the, a very strange thing in uh, 28 years. Mazel tov. Yeah. That's yeah. so exciting. Yeah. By the way, it's not easy. I mean, anyone who's married, you know, it's not easy for him to be my husband and, you know, it's not easy for me to be his wife, you know, but we love each other and we, you know, truly like each other. And I mm-hmm. think that's the secret. To truly like the other right. person. Right. And I've learned, and any woman listening to this, I've learned a great trick, both in, you know, business and life when you're sitting with a bunch of men. That's a great idea. That's brilliant. Doesn't mean you have to do it. <laughs> That is right? great advice. Yeah. So you you make people believe in the well, context you, of the conversation because pe- people want to be listened to. That's all they want. They want you to know that you that you they've been heard. I hear I hear you. That's a great idea. It might be a great idea, but it's not a great idea for me, and I don't want to do it. But I don't get into it because then we're just going to have a fight, and I don't like to fight. That is, I think that's great advice, mm. genuinely. And right. saying I hear you, right? that's something I right. find myself, I'm in conversations right. a lot of the time, I mm-hmm. might not agree with somebody, but right. but acknowledging that right. it can be heard. Oh my God. That... Think about the number of conversations that would go different yeah. places, especially right. now. And I learned that from my husband, because early on when we'd have these fights, and we're both pretty fiery and intense people, and I didn't want, you know, I didn't want to give in because I really believed that I was right and he believed he was right. And finally he got me to say, I'm sorry I upset you. Right? I'm sorry I upset you. And that's the truth. I hear what you're saying. And that's it. And then it's done. And uh, I'm still right. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but sort of not. Yeah. No, sort of not. <laughs> I love it. Um, before we go... Just from you, yeah. you, you. First of all, you've you've done so much in your career at this point. Are yeah. there any stones you're hoping to unturn? Well, in I'm the unturning. I am slowly unturning a lot of stones, seeing you know, seeing where this next phase goes. And my first project is renovating a hotel with my husband in our town that's in Montclair. That's called the George, thirty-two room hotel that I will decorate. And you know, I am. Um, in the process of building a lifestyle and content company. So, you know, I have a studio that you've been to. And it's beautiful. I love shooting content. I love interviewing. I love talking to people. I love creating. I love working with teams. So that we're building a site that's going to be called Just Bobby, and it's going to have all the content. Anyone that follows me on Instagram, they know I'm, like, obsessed with, with telling stories. So that's really fun. And, you know, stay tuned because there's a bunch of things that, that hopefully will be coming to fruition. I'm really excited for you, Bob. Oh, thank you for coming on. Oh, my pleasure. This was a great, I really Aww. enjoyed it. Oh, thanks. Really enjoyed the conversation. You too. And your husband sounds awesome. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of No Limits. If you like what you heard, please make sure to subscribe, rate us, tell your friends. And if there's someone you think we should have on the show, let me know. You can tweet me at Rebecca Jarvis, and of course you can follow along with us behind the scenes on Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat. And special thanks to the team here at ABC that helps make this happen. It is a big one. Taylor Dunn, Josh Cohan, Andrew Kelb, Michelle Bancardo, Steve Jones, and Elizabeth Hecht. And join me next Tuesday for an all-new episode of No Limits with Rebecca Jarvis. 
Until then, take care. Be well. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts.